0: Joining us now, Chief Executive Officer at the Minnesota Humanities Center, an independent nonprofit organization, is Kevin Lindsay. That organization is affiliated with the National Endowment for the Humanities. Their mission is to spark positive change in the society. For nearly eight years, Kevin Lindsay was also an attorney, served as the commissioner for the state's Department of Human Rights, and that body is responsible for investigating complaints of discrimination. Kevin Lindsay also served as an assistant Ramsey County attorney. And Kevin, on his face, what does the Derek Chauvin sentencing of 22 and a half years actually mean for the country? Even though Judge Cahill says he was not sending a message.
1: Well, I think it is really important. If we take a look around the country, very few police officers have actually been charged, sentenced, or charged, convicted, and sentenced for using deadly force um on the job so it's less than 15 according to a study out of the police Integrity research group out of bowling green mm-hmm. uh, when we go across the country then i think uh what was significant is the use and the analysis by the court of aggregating factors to uh enhance the the sins that could or usually would be offered in such cases so There's no there's no sentence that can ever bring back someone who has died. Um, So it will always fall short of that level of justice. But if we are talking about the implementation of what mere mortals do on trying to sentence one another and uh, send a message of deterrence to others, 22 and a half years for a police officer. um, That felt like that was significant. What Judge
0: Cahill did. Everyone, we're talking with Kevin Lindsay, the Chief Executive Officer at the Minnesota Humanities Center, and you may know him also as a Commissioner for the State's Department of Human Rights, an attorney in our community. There are also federal charges, Kevin, pending against Derek Chauvin. How does the sentencing impact that case? Should he be found guilty in that hearing?
1: That's a great question. So the federal court does have uh, jurisdiction and charges have uh, been sought against Mr. Chauvin, so it can run either concurrently or consecutively if the federal court finds that he is guilty of violating federal law. If it runs concurrently, um, that would mean that the time that he is serving in state court um, would be counted against the length of his sentence. If it runs um, consecutively, then it would be added to the length of his sentence. So let's say that, for instance, he was. Sentenced to 15 years uh, for crimes under federal law. Uh, that means he would, at, uh, whenever he would, had uh, satisfied um, the terms of his condition for the state court, if that's 22 and a half years or for good behavior, if that was reduced, then he would proceed over into federal court and then he would begin to serve his federal sen- sentence. Um, that's down the road. We- don't have a conviction yet within the federal court system. There's reason for folks to think that there will be a conviction given the amount of evidence in this case. Mm -hmm. And then we have to get to the court and and ask the judge whether it will be consecutive or concurrent.
0: When you look at the sentencing, I know there are people on all sides of this entire issue. And we heard uh, for the very first time Derek Chauvin's voice and that also of his mother. How should the community, how should the country view this, Kevin, this sentencing?
1: Well, I think that the first thing is that just simply looking at the trial itself and sort of um, how it was conducted, how it was handled, and is Minnesota creating a model for prosecuting these cases? So across the country, typically what happens, the county attorney in which the death occurred is the individual who prosecutes the case. And historically, that has created conflict of interest or perceived conflict of interest, from the perspective of advocates seeking um, justice for those killed by law enforcement. So this idea of having a separate prosecutor or the attorney general within the state uh, take over the prosecution of the case, um, that's really unique. Uh, This is a a very recent development only in the last couple of years throughout the United States. Then I think um, having additional individuals from various forensic fields offer up their time and talent to uh, assist prosecutors in this case. I think that that's also profound. It's uh, challenging to try these cases. Juries are reluctant to prosecute police officers. So to the extent that forensic uh, experts such that we had in the Chauvin trial would be willing to volunteer some of their time and talent and effort to assist in the prosecution of these cases, that also makes it more likely for justice to be met, meted out when officers have violated the law. And then I think the third thing from this sense, uh, from this case kind of goes back to the sentence itself and how do we look at um, prosecuting or how do we look at sentencing um, police officers once they've been found guilty. So in this case, um, the analysis by Judge Cahill, I think, is instructive of how courts can do this in a way um, that complies with the law and starts to shed um, a practice going forward that can be helpful for us in finding the right length of sentence. One of the things which is unusual about the aggravating sentences, and I think we'll we'll be having some conversations at the legislative level,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is when we talk about um, violation of the oath of the office. I mean, this idea that it was a respected person and authority, by definition, uh, a police officer who kills somebody in the line of duty has done that. So uh, is that always going to be an aggravated sentence, which should suggest, unless it is a complete accident by the police officer, that there should be some type of enhanced sentence. And I think from the public uh, perspective, um, that's what I think a lot of people on the streets, I think that's a lot of people who are advocates, I think a lot of people who are testifying before, legislative bodies are really asking for um, is that there should be a punishment for police officers that is greater than the average um, punishment, which is meted out for someone else because of their trust uh, that's been given to them by by being a police officer.
0: Never enough time to cover all the topics, but I, I did want to ask you, what did you make of Chauvin's, I call them cryptic uh, comments, when he had his uh, opportunity to speak at the hearing uh, last week. To what could he have been referring to when he made a statement about some other things were going to come out? What other things could have come out that could have not that were not in the written document that he had to submit to Judge Peter Cahill?
1: You know, that's a, a good question. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm a little jaded. Uh, I've now been practicing law for 30 years. <laughs> and um, you hear some of these cryptic comments. You don't know if that's trying to set up a book deal or trying to create some type of interest, uh, maybe to offset uh, potential legal fees going forward. Um, But if there was some information uh, that could have been helpful to his defense, it seems uh, highly unlikely that he would have waited to the point of sentencing to uh, make such a
0: statement. Final question for you this morning. Do you expect plea deals to be filed in the cases of the final three officers awaiting trial next year in the Floyd murder?
1: I would not, I would be uh, very surprised if there is a concentrated effort to try to negotiate some type of plea bargain for the other three officers. And I I know from the perspective of various folks that I have spoken with to spoken with and to uh, in the community that they are seeking or, or wishing for uh, significant punishment for all three uh, of the other officers that were involved. And I think the challenging issue for the prosecution going forward is that one of those officers uh, was not on the job all that long and clearly was a direct report to Shogun. Um, Clearly there is a a case to be made for prosecuting that individual, but I would say there's also a case for acquitting that individual. Interesting. Um, I think that... um, Balancing is going to be a, a very difficult one for the prosecutor, a very difficult one for the defense attorney. Um, and that's the one that probably has the highest stakes for everyone within that situation. Um, we are, uh, many people are aware of situations in which someone's in a relationship with maybe another. Um, it could be a very short-term relationship, but unfortunately they make a bad decision. Because of being in that relationship for a short period of time mm-hmm. so I don't I don't want to suggest that the law enforcement officer that had been on the job for a couple of weeks is clearly going to be acquitted but I will say that selecting a jury uh, for the defense you only need one jury one jury member to hang um, <laughs> to vote to acquit exactly. uh, to prevail and and um, we all just need to understand, I think, that from the community, that that's not as uh, clear-cut of a case as what we had for the Chauvin trial. And remember, we, we were on pins and needles with <laughs> Chauvin
0: yes. wondering
1: whether he would be acquitted. So um, this, this case will clearly be one that law students and lawyers uh, will be talking about for quite some time. Kudos to uh, Attorney General Ellison. And the prosecution team uh, really appreciated the work that Jerry Blackwell
0: did in prosecuting this kids. Final question, and we, gosh, we are just about out of time. Can you talk about the role that the Humanities Center is playing now with the Racial Reckoning, the Arc of Justice Project, and what it means to our community?
1: Well, we are so happy and pleased to be part of Racial Reckoning, the Arc of Justice. Um, just fantastic work being done. Um by Georgia Ford and Anthony Galloway and, and yourself and, and creating daily updates, uh, end-of-the-week updates, additional stories. And I look forward to a continuing partnership in which we can go deeper and explore more what's going on in the area of criminal justice. Uh, it's a long time uh, coming that we've needed to have this conversation, the great disparity in how we have uh, pursued, prosecuted, uh, sentenced, individuals within our community is significant, and it's time for that reckoning to happen. And I'm so pleased and happy to be a part of it with Georgia Ford, Anthony Galloway, and the great people like yourself at KMOJ.
0: And we appreciate you. Thank you for being with us, taking time out of your schedule to share with our community this morning. Kevin Lindsay, CEO of Minnesota Humanity Center.